Hi, everybody. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the break screen and then back in fact. I want to thank you all for tuning in, particularly. I want to thank all my supporters on Patreon. Hello, everybody. And especially our $25 tier supporters on Patreon. Welcome to Who are Jeremy and Alexander, Smith, Bates, Waterflame, and L, without whom we wouldn't be able to do nearly as much as we do. So. Uh, thank you all for your support, uh, and if uh, you're watching live on Twitch, me today, uh, please sit back, uh, relax, we and have enjoy. Mara? Hi, I'm Mara. I'm playing Tina, an orc pilot. And we have Jack. Hi, everybody. I'm Jack. I'm playing Aristarchus Dactyl, member of the Adeptus Mechanicus, and our heavily armored medic. And Holly? Hey, I'm Holly. I'm playing Blair Hart, Ganger Scum. And Julia? As we lost Just disappeared. Julia. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! Oh god! <laughs> Doing this great, folks. Oh, <laughs> uh, perfect timing. Right, right as I was, right as I was calling her name. Um. Oh, there she is. Oh, oh, there we oh. go, Julia. You you have great comedic timing. That was that was clutch. <laughs> and um, joining us is Julia. Hi, everybody. Yeah, I'm Julia, and my internet's on the fritz. Uh, that that symbol definitely says I have no internet, but I'm here. Uh, and uh, I'm playing Laurel Fire, the Eldari Corsair, mercenary for House Tandris. And uh, currently running the stream and fixing the overlay is Jeremy. Is fixed, is fine. Uh, hi, I'm Jeremy. I make no apologies for how shitty our overlay is tonight. Uh, I am playing Remy Mara. Uh, he just hates life. Like, it all sucks. Um, but he is, uh, uh, he is, um, whatever he is. Like a ganger, I believe. Something like that. He's just a dude. He's, He's the just guy. a guy. He's just a dude. He's just a guy. You know, but, just a guy, man. Black Lives Matter translates <laughs> oh, yes. to human rights. Yes, Black Lives Matter translates to human rights. The stream would be powered by Sirenscape, but I'm not dealing with it right now with all the other nonsense we're working with. Oh, right good. Now. It's powered by Ghost Sirenscape. You can't hear it, but it might be there. <laughs> and we're all going to roll a D6. Yes, everyone roll your objectives for me. This is the most slapdash. <laughs> Amazing. Mm. All right. In order of operations, Jack, tell me what your objective is. Calculate the odds of any given task and provide an estimate of survival or success. I get to see 3PO today. Holly, tell me what your objective is. Uh, recount a desperate act of survival you once made. Uh, Mara, tell me what your objective is. Apply the cunning of the orc god Mork to a situation. Those tracks. Julia, tell me what your objective is. Utilize the reputation of your species to manipulate an individual. Do you mean talking? <laughs> <laughs> and Jeremy, tell me what your uh, objective is. Uh, uh, alternative, uh, explain how a common object has an alternative use, probably as a weapon. Probably, but not necessarily. Not necessarily. I think the common object should be a weapon, and you give an alternative use that is definitely non-violent in nature. Hmm? Tracks. But when last we left off, the group had reconvened after gathering information and uh, uh, finding 
potential allies and new places to keep uh, the Hostile Hearts gang safe uh, and begun to discuss the situation that they had found themselves in, including the identities of the mysterious individuals who seem to be at least operating a significant portion of what is going on in the Hive City, the mysterious um, Tycho Mordoric and the now recently identified Jenea Tandris of House Tandris. Uh, as the group was alleviating some tensions, uh, you make it sound like we were getting laid. Hmm? <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> I just work here. <laughs> um, but as the group was conversing and coming to grips with each other, <laughs> not much better. <laughs> <laughs> Took, saw that smile, Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> At this point, it's on purpose. You know exactly what you did. I'm so I'm proud of no apologies. Uh, they were uh, contacted by Jordan Tendris, the Primaris Psyker of the uh, of the Umbral of the of the Ferris Five Nineteenth. Um who had invited the group to dinner at House Tandris uh, to discuss the recent events and potential relationships that the group and the house has to what's going on. Uh, the group, taking some time to better outfit themselves and gather up some war gear, uh, made preparations uh, before the evening arrives uh, to adjourn to dinner. But I believe, as we pick up here, there's still a couple people who have some more things to do. I believe, at the very least, our orc needs to go get a fancy hat. Yes. <laughs> so, what is the group up to? Artina, are you splitting off and going home, or? Uh, yeah. Okay. Do you say anything, or do you just wander off? I need to go get some hats. Uh, what? Uh, okay. So, this is, this is a fancy party. I need hats. I mean, all right. It's my fanciest hats. Uh, where where would you get fancy hats? Do you have one? I have one. I can see about getting another one. Oh, didn't know the Yorks ran in an haberdashery. Hmm? A what? An haberdashery. A hat shop. Hmm? You like? Give him a handful of teeth, and then they give you a fancy hat. Yeah? No. No. These are hats I found. Ah. Scavenged wardrobe. All right. They used well, to be other people's. Now they're mine. 
That makes a little that bit sort of scavenge. Stop. I understand. Yeah, no, mm, that makes that. Uh, yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I suppose that uh, eliminates the need to ask the question if you need any accompaniment on this little uh, shopping trip of yours. If you want to. Is, Aristarchus fully expects that Tina is just going to wander through the underhive until she sees someone wearing a hat that she likes and then beat them to death for it. Mm. That, that'll be how I get the second one. I feel like right. I have one fancy hat, but like okay. two, I, I have enough. Like, I don't think Tina has been an occasion where she might need two fancy hats. So she just had the one. <laughs> now I need two. And Aristarchus, you were just offered to go and see the orc conclave by the orc. Uh-huh. Well, it seems like that might be a rather interesting observational opportunity. I would be most delighted to accompany you, Miss Tina. Hmm? Okay, let's go. Excellent. Let's go. Uh, I, I, I'm coming to you. <laughs> I was going to say so. Let's <laughs> not let this happen. <laughs> Always pleasure to have your company, Miss Blair. Hmm? At some point, I do need to get an outfit for tonight, but I will. I will accompany you too. Oh, we can see if we can get you one too on the way. I, I, it's it's fine. I will. Gonna be fascinating. I I can go into a shop to get mine. I don't mind that. They don't normally let me in shops. I will find a moment to get an outfit. I will. I will okay. accompany you to get your fancy hats okay walk down with Aristarchus literally just puts his uh data slate in like a little shoulder uh slot that he has for it and he's basically gopro-ing this entire thing just to see what happens hmm. yes Blair will just lock eyes with Remy for a minute kind of roll her eyes a little bit Shrug, <laughs> like motioning to them, and go off. All right, all right. So, uh, Remy and Laura, well, did you have anything else to do while the while this group goes down to uh, the Dig Tinka tribe? I don't know if Laura well does. I don't think she's really going to be dressing up. Mm. Same. <laughs> <laughs> but you have another different bizarrely colored Hawaiian shirt you need to grab? No, why would you need another one? You have I have this one. Um <laughs> I'm still waiting for Holly to find that in Goodwill somewhere. I just really like the idea of Remy and Laurel just they walk off and then they just look at each other uncomfortably. <laughs> Because they don't really have anything to say. <laughs> There's been a bit of an awkward silence. So how long that last? Three hours. <laughs> so I have to ask, is this going to be your first time up in the upper hive? Not at all. Good. What should we expect? Well... From... Master Tandris is uh, stern, yet generally fair, and uh, not as often prone to fits of anger as other nobles I have seen. Okay. 
It's a good sign. How do you think this is going to go with some of our company? While I do have a bit of admiration for Tina's spirit, um, to say that she will stick out is probably the understatement of the millennium. Mm-hmm. That that that's fair to say. I wasn't just talking about. Of course. Um, you and Blair, I believe, should not have much of a problem. Despite your. Uh, I'm trying not to word this to insult anyone. Oh, or, feel good, good. Just. just say what you're despite your, say. your professions and your. Uh, situations you two handle yourselves very well and thank uh, you i i suspect both of you are a little bit more than what meets the eye i think that's pretty fair to say all right well i think i think master tangents will have no problem with aristarchus though he might want to Blair should definitely not leave him alone. I believe he can behave, but from what I have seen, he uh, tends to wander. And not necessarily a bad thing. No, but it can be. Yes, it can. And... Our... Employer? Ceres. Um, Ceres was welcomed into House Tendris last time with, I would say, fairly open arms. But there's always a chance anyone could change their mind at any point in time. Uh, As long as she keeps certain things under wraps, I don't think there will be much of a problem. I'm not certain that my patron necessarily knows everything about our employer. I would... Fair enough. Um, I mean, I think it's... Do you think this... Out of three. What do you think, in addition to the obvious revelation that we have, is the point of it? Is the point of this invite? Or even even with that revelation... How would you predict this is going to go? Are we going to get leaned on to go a certain way? I mean, we probably are, but which way would that be, would you guess? I'm fairly certain that we will be pushed. Meta, for having missed last week, um, what is this revelation that we had? 
the presence of Janea Tandris as the daughter of House Tandris, the psyker that 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 uh, Tycho has in his command is the yeah, is sorry supposedly. As far as information goes, the twin brother of Jordan Tandris, the psyker that you met at the end of the last session you were in, and also the the daughter of Lord Malton Tandris. There was some uh, kind of a, uh, assumption, I think, that she wasn't known to be a psyker. Like, no one knew she existed. If I had to guess, with the way things have been in the past and how... Janea has not necessarily been in the spotlight, as it were. We will probably be pushed away from her, at least from Lord Tendris. That's going to be tricky. It is. When you say pushed away, you mean leave her out of the investigation, which is functionally impossible, or... I think less that and more do not allow our, our association or my patron's association with her influence our standings. As it were. Keep it quiet. Yes. Easier. Less admirable. All right. Oh, and also functionally not probably not going to happen because we have a Ceres. I can almost guarantee that. I don't think it will be a... I don't want to say it will be unpleasant for the evening, but tensions are definitely going to be high the entire time. I do not miss this stuff. All right. Laura, I will just sort of give him a, a sidelong glance, but not press that. Meanwhile... The three of you descend the hive. Going down is relatively quick, especially when you can just sort of drop some several levels when there's a good place to do so. Um, you make your way down, back again to the bare earth at the very bottom of the hive city. And after a bit of wandering around, you manage to make your way back to the Digtinka tribe. Once again, uh, the first person to greet you as you arrive, uh, Tina, is uh, Dregbonk. Poor old Dregbonk. Hi, Dregbonk. Hi, Tina. What brings hey. you back to the tribe so quick? I gotta pick up my hat. All right. These two, uh, you bring food to friends. Oh, all right. Friends. All right. Well, uh, welcome to the tribe. I'm Dregbonk. How do you do, Master Dregbonk? Mm. Uh, I'm Blair Hart. Uh, yeah. 
Jeez, what's Dragbunk this... look like? Mm-hmm. Uh, so Dragbunk is uh, the second smallest orc in the tribe, which is to say, still a good like half a foot taller than Tina, okay, um, and a good like sixty or so pounds of more muscle. Mm-hmm. Um, but he uh, he's got like a significantly more slackened jaw than you would than you would compare to Tina in the in the sense of. This does not appear to be an intellectual individual. Okay. Um, he definitely seems like the uh the the very simple follows orders does job kind of orc. Um with not too much in the way of individual wit or uh cunning. Mm-hmm. Okay. More of a gork than a mork. Very good. Which is what you need sometimes. Absolutely. Yeah, he's probably going to want to talk to Gorgrod when he's back. Uh, I think she was uh, talking about some weird stuff going on. Oh, okay. Sure. We do like weird stuff. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Her... As we we kind of go past and in a low sort of uh, yell, (laughs) (laughs) weird as in the, like, Weird psyker stuff is is name of person that I don't have my notes for. So this is going to be fun. Where's Zod? Where's Zod? Well, that's uh, going to be interesting to see regardless. I would I... recommend staying way back if she gets kind of uh, irritated or real excited or any sort of big emotion things sometimes stuff explodes so just stay way back yeah okay this is very fascinating situation you know miss blair because under normal circumstances i would think following tina as the primary social lead in any given interactive situation would be a rare occurrence and yet here we find ourselves in a very different environment where she is the expert these are her people i know it's just very intriguing i must say this way Aristarchus follows. <laughs> Blair right next to Aristarchus, just in case. Just wander. Uh, as you as you wander through, each of you get the sight of the Dig Tinka tribe for the first time. Um, it is a sort of sprawling camp built entirely out of scrap metal and bone. Uh, everything, like every building, looks like it's manufactured out of a series of metal plates that have been hammered together until they stayed in place. Uh, the walls that surround it are tall towers of scrap with sharpened spikes put on the end. Uh, you can see runes and glyphs of painted orc writing. Uh, on every surface, though none of you but Tina can really read it. Um, the uh, there are a number of individual orcs. You, as you look around, you count several dozen. It's not a large concentration of orcs by any means, but there are definitely a good number of them. Um, as you sort of look around, most of them are sort of getting about their business. Most of them look at Tina, sort of offer a bit of a side eye, and then sort of a shrug, like eh, whatever. 
some of them offer a wave when Tina waves. Um, uh, but after after a moment, uh, word seems to spread, and out coming towards you is the largest orc any of you have ever seen. Uh, as the approaching frame of Gorgrod de Big, one of the one of the chief knobs of the of the camp, uh, makes her presence known. Uh, this orc is approaching ten feet tall, um, and is a about half as wide um raw mass of muscle and uh like heavy metal armor uh there's a there's a large black uh metal jaw plate bolted to her to her chin that sort of extends her already impressive jaw with just metal spikes underneath it um uh there's a pair of rings in one ear her pate sort of uh, attached with a long hair squig that seems to like stretch out behind her to about her shoulders, uh, and then big spiked metal armor decorated primarily in black, but with like black and white checker marks on the shoulders. As she approaches, you can see the snapping of her massive power claw. This big monstrous uh, machination of metal that has three scissoring blades uh, with like piston activation that looks like it could probably shred a tank. Uh, and sort Quite of slung at, slung at her shoulder is a big shooter, which is just this massive fuck-off hunk of metal that is the shape of a gun. Mm-hmm. Uh, as she approaches, Hey, is Tina. Looks it's been a while. What brings mm-hmm. you back this time? Uh, picking up a hat. Right, right. Uh, you've been out and about, right? Got some business for ya. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Follow me. We got to go talk to old Grot Kicker, who's watching Wurzord. Uh. Oh, speaking of which, Minion's been waiting for you since you left him down here last time. Oh shit! I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> he says that. That's that's in character. Uh, but. Oh, Grot Kicker and Wurzor got some news about some weird stuff that's been going around. And since you've been the one who's been out and about, you're probably uh, best to know about it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Gorgrod. Where are they? Turns back towards the back towards the drops where the squigs are. Okay. This way. Come on to the to the rest of us. Do we follow? Tina away, Aristarchus will turn to Blair. Confidentially speaking, in my expert opinion, whatever weapon it was that that largest one was carrying looks like a first year's attempt at a pattern configuration reject from Liefeld Arms. Hmm? <laughs> All right. As you as you depart from Gorgrod, you do, however, hear, "Oi, get get back in place!" And you hear the rapid fire staccato of machine gun fire being <laughs> aimed at being aimed in someone's direction. As that yep. gun clearly works, whether or not oh yeah, he mm-hmm. thinks it should. It's not pretty, but it works. <laughs> uh, but you enter the drops. Uh, Everything gets even darker than it already is with the low lit 
uh, gas light and energy lighting of the of the orc camp going away as you enter an area that is only lit by glowing mushrooms. Uh, and you, as you walk in, you see mushrooms everywhere, just piles upon piles of growing fungus underneath. Um, as you enter a sort of an underground cave system that is, as you as you listen, you can hear skittering noises and scrabbling as small things with claws wander around hmm. in the dark. Yeah, we're going to go to look at some of those mushrooms. Mm. Mm. Aristarchus goes, just picks whatever the closest glowy mushroom is to go take a sample. Mm. Do, do I need to warn him about anything? I don't know. Uh, I mean, you don't think anything down here is dangerous, but you're you, so. Right. Yeah. I mean, and Aristarchus is not stupid. He's going to look before he grabs just to see it's okay. like, does this okay. thing look like it has teeth hidden somewhere? I would, yeah. All right, then I'll just let that happen. Excellent. So, uh, you sort of wander your way towards one of these mushrooms and look at it. It looks most of these mushrooms look to be similar, like they're from a similar species, mm -hmm. uh, which, according to your biological data, makes sense. This is probably orcoid fungus. These mm -hmm. are probably the mushrooms that spring up in the wake of orcoid incursions and in general infestations that serve as both uh, food supply and also early stages of development for orcs. Um, yep. Mm. Uh, typically speaking, um, the the things that you would normally expect to be around here, um, orcs, uh, these kinds of funguses, probably a few Gretchen, the smaller orcoid species, uh, snotlings, the even smaller iterations that tend to tend the fungi, and uh, also, you you sort of fall back as a as a massive maw of gnashing teeth comes lunging at your face. Uh, a a walking mouth on legs of red flesh just sort of leaps out from behind a mushroom. Teeth the size of your or the size of your hand, sort of snapping in your face as you fall back. Uh, as a as a squig decides that you look like lunch. Uh, Blair goes to stab this thing. Uh, you, you, Blair, you, you sort of step forward and start drawing a knife uh, as this big, like, maw on legs uh, lunges forward, only for a massive, like, cattle prod or, like, hook contraption descends out of the darkness and snatches the squig around the jaws and sort of lifts it up off of the ground. Uh, as you, as... Like, in a... Uh, in 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 one of those uh, grab machines, just yeah, like like a, like a claw machine, but it's instead of the three hands, it's just like two like two hooked prongs that sort of latch around its lower jaw and like pick it up. Uh, as emerging from the shadows is another of the largest orcs you've ever seen, uh, in the form of Old Grotkika, the the runt herd of the of the tribe. Um, what looks to be in ancient orc at least by orc standards um his his skin is cragged and cracked with numerous scars one of his legs has been chopped off and replaced with a peg leg which also looks to be a gun um uh as Projects. as as he sort of steps forward you can see this big blazing orange uh orange uh hair squig has been attached to his chin 
um, uh, creating this massive beard effect um, as he sort of holds the squig up in this grabbing stick that has like got it under the jaws. He sort of looks at it. Now, you ain't supposed to be mistreating our guests, the old orc says, sort of grabbing the squig by the face, bringing it in and just biting into it. And he sort of, the, the squig struggles for a minute and then goes limp as the as old Grokkicka seems to have found his latest snack as he sort of chomps on the squig for a bit. Um, so, Tina, I see you've brought friends. Um, yeah. They're helping me find a big fight for us all to get into. Um, about that. Wurzord's been having weird visions. Yeah. Figured you might be good to talk to her. Find out what she's on about. Um, sure. Right, you two, he says, looking at the two humans. Yumi's like yourselves ain't uh ain't too safe down here, so mind the drops, stay clear of the squigs. Don't let the snotlings snatch anything. Aristarchus will check all of his various accoutrements mm. to see if anything's gone missing. Thank you for the advice. Oh, good. All well and good. Eventually, you probably end up in a fight, and then we get the repayment we need. Hum. Well, we're working our way to a, an extraordinarily big conflagration fight. Absolutely. Any minute looking, now. Looking forward to it. These old bones ache for a good fight. He sort of, he sort of indicates with the grab a stick, which is what you can, it looks like a massive walking stick, only it ends in two like spiked prongs mm -hmm. that has like a lever that can be used to open and shut it to grab yep. things. Um, but he sort of indicates with it to deeper into the into the drops where you can see like a faint like orange electric glow. All right, you find Wurzor, you find Wurzor down here. Right. Okay. Blair will Get check it. all her possessions and then just pull Aristarchus in closer by his arm. Yes, Miss Hart. What can I do for just, you? Just stay close. I don't want you to die down here. I'm rather opposed to that concept myself. Uh, same goes for you. Hmm? I'll be fine. Aristarchus is not going to run the math on that. <laughs> as, as you as you as you walk further on, you uh, you get you are treated to the sight of the activities that go down in the drops. You see uh, Gretchen, these like small goblinoid creatures, uh, sort of riding a couple of these squigs, these like big like legged mouths on legs, uh, riding a couple of them around swinging lashes at snotlings, which are even smaller and uh, rounder and stuntier-looking goblinoid creatures, even smaller than, than the Gretchens, uh, enjoying the, the momentary uh, chance to oppress someone else uh, to be free from the, uh, instead of their normal being kicked around. Uh, 
uh, as the snotlings tend to the mushrooms and sort of like dig them out for food or uh, uncover. You see one of them uncovering a big uh, heap of dirt as you see an orc uh, being dug up out of the ground completely naked uh, as it just sort of drags itself out from underneath one of these mushrooms that's being dug up off of it as it sort of, uh, you see an orc being born uh, as it sort of crawls its way out from the dirt. Scarina! It sort of mutters in rudimentary uh, in rudimentary speech uh, as you see um, uh, old Grot Kicker wanders out. All right, Runt, get yourself out of the dirt. It's time to wake up. Welcome to the tribe. As he sort of wrenches him up with the gravel stick. <laughs> Go get yourself kitted out. And he sort of shoves him off out of the, out of the drops. Welcome. Uh, How exciting. Uh, new life. <laughs> the miracle of birth. <laughs> right out of the dirt. It's a beautiful thing. But I'll keep going. Uh, you keep going, and uh, you find yourself approaching a faint green glow. Um, and as you do, you see a floating orc, like mm. hovering off the ground. But it mm. looks like the floating isn't necessarily voluntary, as they're currently, uh, they have several chains wrapped around them that are being used to tether them to the ground as they sort of oh, hover, no. hover like six inches off of it. Uh, their, their feet sort of just barely dangling towards the ground. They're holding this sort of copper rod in one hand as green lightning seems to arc off of them. This orc's brain is completely exposed as the top of their skull seems to have exploded off and there's just brain, brain matter open to the air uh, as green lightning sort of arcs off of their eyes as they look around. There's three or four different orcs just holding the chains, keeping them tethered to the ground. Um... As they sort of hover in circles, just sort of babbling around. And the moon speaks, and the fire rains down. Ah, Tina, it's good Hi. to see you. Hi, Warzon. I'm going to go up sort of partway between all of the other works and like where she is kind of floating. Just... Hi. Uh, it's good to see the evil sun grin still. Nice mm -hmm. to see ya. Nice to see you too. Uh, what was his name? Said you were having visions. Yes, I stuff. see a spiky one. Spiky there. one. There's... A fight brewing. You yeah. know it. You will find it. But there's more to it than yous can see. There's a spiky one in the wings. And one of them dead hard lads. The start like the spiky ones in reverse. One of them too. I seize it. The big glowing hard boys in all their fancy dress. 
But one of them and the spiky boys they hate so much. Two of them, one hunting the other, the other hunting them. It's all going around. I cruise around them. They's got little ones like we's got grots. Little Yumi's doing a fighting forum. Little histories of violence. I think if yous can find the little ones, yous can find the spiky one. And there's the real fight. Because the tin boys, they bring the big guns and the spiky one brings the dead hard things from the other side. You find that. And the whole tribe will rejoice for the fight they can have. Any questions? Uh, we met a spiky lad. This is very... Creepy, but not spooky. Creepy, but not, not, no, no weird stuff. Do you no, mean no, him? No, the last, the little one. Mm. The spiky one's yet to be seen. Mm. There's more to be found. Yeah. big boss little ones in the shadows or underground or he's somewhere around here one of the tin boys is hunting them down mm. we're going to a fancy party up above ground tonight do you, Make have sure you seen you anything? Bring a fancy hat. <laughs> yes. I was planning on that already. <laughs> it looks like one of your little ones has something to ask. It says, looking directly at Blair. I was just wondering if you could be a little more specific on location. <laughs> Go can Moke just tell me things. I just listen. I speak what the great green has for me. I appreciate. Just figured I would ask. More uh, excuse me, do you do you know what color the spiky one is? I see red. Crimson, like the evil sun, or like what happens when you cut one of you Yumi's open. Well, that will certainly give you something to work on. I see somebody who don't shut up. Look, I'm right here. Oh, yeah, yeah, that doesn't. 
talker, spiky boys. Someone who knows old things, things that's beyond relevant, stuck in the past, this spiky boy is, reliving old battles, gore and the grudge they hold. All right, well, I've got all that on video if we need to look at it later. They hold a grudge like the squats <laughs> do. Speaking of which, there's a squat somewhere here. Trade coming. One of the squats from the centre of the big spiral. On his way here. You's got friends to make, Tina, and enemies to crump. Yeah. Go How on. do I know which one's which? That's up to you to figure out, ain't it? Yeah. And for the rest of the lads to follow in your footsteps, use our scout evil son. Go find a path. <laughs> <laughs> Go on now, I's got a And she just sort of aims her head up towards the sky And green warp fire spits out of her mouth As she sort of ga off gases raw energy I feel like that's that the, She needs to release it somehow I see you Let's be, uh, maybe, um, finding your hat there, Tina Yeah, what? Maybe? Where's your hat? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, it's back this way. My 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 stuff. <laughs> Leave the the <laughs> drops area. She uh, Blair will whisper to Aristarchus. You recorded all that, right? I I got every single detail recorded, and we will review that and figure out which of it might be actionable suggestion. I and hope you which wrote of most it... of that down because rambling in Weird Boy is not easy to do. That's fair. <laughs> Don't expect me to recall much of it. I tried. I, I have a bit of it. And which I mean... of it is the diseased ravings of an obviously exposed mind that has been contaminated by a particulate matter without uh, proper hygienic protocols in place? <laughs> Warsaw's right. All the time. And what about the times when Wurzod isn't right? Mm -hmm. How many times do those crop up? Mm -hmm. Not as much. There you are. But they so. do happen. Uh, usually when Wurzod's usually when Wurzod's not right, someone's head explodes. Yeah. That's usually bad. Well, that's reassuring. <laughs> All right, then. <laughs> so we want her to be right. <laughs> I do understand that perspective. Are you still recording? I mean, is there a reason I should not be? Because hmm? uh, um, my, my, uh, I haven't cleaned in a while. I can I can turn it off. Okay. Hmm? Yeah. You don't need to record every second of every day. 
<clears throat> no, this is more of the expedition to the uh, underbelly orc uh, tribe, given the unique nature of the uh, scenario here. It's a matter of some academic interest to many people. Hmm? Like, I've heard about s- spies, and you take, you know, stuff that you find out about someplace, and then you 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 tell other people about it, and... We don't want that to happen to your stuff, because then I'd have to squish you. I understand. Or Did I apply the cunning of the orc god work? All right, after Snikya comes a voice from just over your shoulder, Aristarchus. <laughs> As you look over your shoulder, oh, hey, Lugbad snuck up on you. Ah, oh, look dead. Uh, when they hear that, Blair just shoves Aristarchus behind her. So jumpy. <clears throat> uh, you see a, uh, like, roughly nine and a half, eight, between eight and nine feet, eight, nine and a half uh, feet tall uh, orc covered pretty much head to toe in, like, dark black leathers and, like, uh, gear. They have a pair of, like, chrome goggles over their eyes that, like, orc eyes are already kind of small, but they kind of just, like, cover them entirely. Yeah, with, like, purple purple highlights. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's, there's like, a couple of grenades strapped to their back, like a big uh, tub of ammunition uh, over their shoulders, just shotgun shells slung down one side, a big slug thrower on their back, and a pistol on their hip. There's a dynamite stick just sitting free on their right shoulder. Uh, They've got their mouth sort of covered with this big respirator with, like, gas mask tubes on the side of it. And then a big chopper on, their, on, the, on, the, on the backpack on, on the left side. Uh, I feel like this is what you would get if you took Junkrat and Roadhog and Reaper and just put them in a blender and poured it out into an orc shape. Mm-hmm. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> he looks down at you. So don't go poking your nose round where it ain't needed. Funny you should mention, I've been thinking about getting my nose removed, and then I wouldn't have to worry about poking it anywhere. Hmm? I could do that for How you. How did you do that? No, no thank you. You you don't need to. Why would you He's do still... that? Well, you have to replace your respiratory, uh, and so sometimes it helps if you clear off the installation zone with before the implant is surgically applied so yeah that's a later talk all right good to see you tina see ya i'll be out and about if you need me help mm-hmm. and as you as you absolutely as you, as you as you look at him, Lugbad just backs up into the shadows and disappears. Uh-huh. I'm not certain how he does that. Yeah. Or how they okay. do that. Sorry. Yeah. Pronouns. <laughs> they all use different ones. <laughs> okay. We're going to go circle around this way, but he knows where I live anyway. He's, don't let him know where you live. Okay. Let's go. <laughs> Yeah, let's just get this hat. So, 
Uh, you lead uh, you lead them to your junk pile. What does your junk pile look like for for those who are approaching it for the first time? Um, slightly chaos. I don't think Kina's super good at organizing. Like, I think she's she's got like it's like um uh just a bunch of chaos, but she knows where everything is, and there is a very careful way you wend your way through this thing. Um you don't want to go off the path because then you might get stuck. Um, that's by design. And I think she she's got a lot of like little like kind of tunnels to go in that not a lot of the other orcs can get through just because it's she's so she's small compared to everyone else. So she yeah. uses that to her advantage. Um kind of in in the middle of like a kind of like ant pile situation. And then on the inside, it's got a whole bunch of weird, like, it's very, um, think, uh, Ariel's cave in, uh, <laughs> The Little Mermaid. Just a bunch of random knickknacks and trinkets. Random human knickknacks. What is all this random stuff? Why is this fork right here? Look at it. It's so small and interesting. <laughs> And, does uh, does Aristarchus see anything particularly interesting or noteworthy amongst Tina's ILO crap? Um, roll me awareness. Why not? See if you spot anything that Tina has accrued over time. That's two. <laughs> um. There's a few bits that look like scavenged uh, mechanical pieces that have been picked up over time. You can see the treads of a, that what used to be a servo of what mm -hmm. used to be a servitor um, sort of piled in one corner. You can see uh, um, there uh, looks to be uh, the remains of a uh, of a heavy hauler, uh, a Torox heavy uh, Torox heavy hauler truck um, that. Uh, is sort of like upended on one corner that forms a wall of of this mm -hmm. interior of this interior space. All right, you'll just kind of make a note of that and wait to see what sort of hat Tina finds. Uh, so Tina reaches into a pile and starts rummaging around, uh, and pulls out a small um. I don't remember what the color uh, sort of meanings of things are, but it's probably blue. That's the lucky blue's color, lucky. right? Who's lucky? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. A, a blue top hat. Sort of puts it on. Finds a fragment of mirror. Checks. Yeah, this will do. Uh -huh. <laughs> and then it takes the hat off and very carefully sort of puts it away so that I, I i don't squish it on the way out notably uh notably the top hat has this like weird feather plume on it that you're not certain where it came from it definitely doesn't look orky it looks like it was scavenged from somebody else mm -hmm. okay that is a fancy hat thank Very you nice. There you are, boss. I've been waiting for you. You hear a tiny voice from across the scrap pile. Hi, minion. You look over. I forgot you see, about you. you. You look over and you see a Gretchen, another one of these small goblinoid creatures that uh, sort of scrabbles out from behind a, a pile of scrap. Uh, mostly shirtless, just kind of wearing uh, like a, a set of worn out like uh, pants that have been 
patched up with spikes and bits uh as uh um it sort of has a backpack sort of slung over its sh- over 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 its shoulders just sort of uh loose fitting uh full of random scrap and uh ammo and and uh bullets uh and it has like a a little pistol on on one hip and a tiny knife on the other sorry uh, you left me behind you went too fast last time Oops. Wait, we're going to a fancy party. You need a hat. Hang on. Dives back into the pile. Uh, retrieves a foil party hat. Which is not fancy enough for Tina for the party, but it's fancy enough for Minion for the party. And also it fits him better. Is that Sticks the little elastic him. strap on the bottom? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Minion like takes it, straps it on. You can play it. It, it very snugly fits. It. it was clearly a child's party hat, and it yeah. fits Minion perfectly because he's about <laughs> that size. Uh, he's a... Thank you very much, boss. Welcome. Okay, we gotta get going. Uh, Blair needs clothes, and I need another hat. None of the other mm. ones I have are better, but good enough. <laughs> I, I have clothes, so I just need something nice to wear tonight. Oh, while you're here, boss, you want to get anything from uh, Mac Dig Tinker? Any gear you need? Um, as I remember what gear I have, I think I'm good on weapons. Um, let's see here. You got a big chopper, you got a burner. Ah, uh, I got dark cool tools. That'll be good in case anything. I have heavy armor. I don't remember if there are other types of armor I could get. Uh, there are other orc armors, I think. Yes, but... there are other orc armors. Yeah. I want to see if I can get some armor. Bit better. Right, right. Uh, you might, well... There might be a uh, fixed-up suit of uh, mega armor from uh, if Bark got uh, punched out of his last set. You might be able to take that off of him. Ooh. Yeah, I'll go ask. Uh, so go ahead and roll me a uh, roll me a requisition test. Roll me your influence. Okay. And hang on, I think I had do do do. I calculate influence using strength instead of fellowship. That's true. <laughs> that sounds about right. That tracks. But I think I already put that. Yeah, I already did because influence is the. That minus the stat one. minus one, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it'd be two for me because my f- strength is three. Okay, how do I roll this? There. Oh no, I'm not so big enough. It's, it's, you're not quite big enough to to get <sighs> your own mega armor right now, unless you wanted to fight. Uh, unless you wanted to fight, um, bark for it. been as many fights as I as I usually do so I will try that <laughs> just to see 
course. Bark is a knob and tends to be is one of the bigger and tougher orcs. I'll try. Right? Yeah. Here we go. I'll find out. Blair, if I die in this fight, take Aristarchus and run. That would have been my plan. Okay. <laughs> May still be my plan if you will. Advice that didn't need to be given. <laughs> So you uh you 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 stomp around and call out bark golf gob. Bark! Who's shouting for me? You hear a loud, angry voice call back. Me, Tina. And uh you hear the thump, thump, thump of a massive orc. Uh the only orc in the tribe who is about as big as Gorgrod de Big. Um, uh, begins to stomp their way out from around a corner as you see them dressed in the mega armor that you want to take off of them um, yeah. with big power claw and the shooter in the other hand. Uh, Tina, you little runt, what you want? I want, how how many places are there to hide around here? Just in case I might need to. There's a, there's a there's a couple of different corners you could probably dive into. Excellent. Can I do that and shout at him for one of those? <laughs> from behind a scrap pile? Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> Roll me a stealth check. It's called strategy. <laughs> Two with the wrath die. So you, you hide you hide well behind a behind a behind a stack of stuff. Unfortunately, yep. you're pretty certain the stuff is explosive. So if anything happens to it, it might go up with you. Cool. All right. All right. Amazing. You got mega armor that you don't really need because you have other armor, and I need armor when we go and fight big things, so that all of us can fight really big stuff. Use too puny for mega armor. Why no, you think you can handle it? Cause, and I'm—is he getting closer to the pile of stuff where I am hidden? Or stomping around in circles, looking for you as you shout. Okay, and, and, I want to lure him closer to this. My plan is to get him over here and then to sort of vault myself away from it and set this explosion off. Okay. I don't think it's a good idea, but it's my idea. Uh, roll me cunning. Okay. Whew. Here we go. That's one. Well, hang on. Uh, he's got a awareness roll. Hang on. Yeah. Oh. He did better. But no. Uh, he sort of looks around. But to be fair, he's a knob and he knows exactly what he's doing. Uh, so he sort of looks around, spots your hat. There you are. Starts to stomp over to where to where you're hiding. Okay. You hear you hear the 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 metal uh, the the pistons of the mega armor whining and whirring as he rushes his way over to you. Uh oh. Okay. 
Uh, I am going to attempt to shoot him. <laughs> All right. Uh, roll me a shooting attack. Okay. Three with the wrath die? I'm probably going to explode myself. It's okay. Uh, three is it's uh three is his defense, but you do suffer a complication. Um, yes. Which would normally be your weapon uh would uh either jam or run out of or or run out of ammo. Okay. Yeah, uh, if I have an option between those two, I'd go with jam, probably. I haven't fired it in a while. Maybe it's like it, it's got gunked up yeah. from whatever fuel is in here. It's like you can, congealed. Go, you can go ahead and roll the damage on your burner. Okay. Are you you're using it in the like the flamethrowing form? Yes. Two damage. Twelve damage. Uh, and does it have any the the flame the flamethrower form doesn't have any AP? Uh, no, it does not. But it does inflict on fire. Yes. So let me just real quick. Yeah. So yeah, it uh it only does one wound uh to to uh to bark in this in this space but it does light him on fire as you as you as you burn the flamer down at him and he just sort of thunders through it and just swings the power claw at you uh That's fair. like she's using it he's using a big chopper in this instant rather than a power claw uh weapon skill That's a six to hit you. Yeah, I think that does. Because what is he rolling against? Uh, your defense. Defense. Hang on. Where is that on here? Yeah, two. Uh-uh. This is going to hurt. Um, fortunately, resilience is eight, so. Yeah. Uh, that will be 11, unless I actually need to roll this hand. That will be, uh, yeah, so that'll be 15 damages. Okay. Reduced by eight. All right. Uh, which, which would then, which would then leave you with seven, which seven. would be more wounds than you currently have. Would you like to soak that? Seven. Uh, yeah, I would. Go ahead and roll me your determination. Does my armor value do anything on that, by yeah, the way? It, it, redu- it, it, it adds to your Is resilience. Is that part of the eight? Okay. Yeah, of the eight. yeah, yeah. You have, you have okay. four baseline and four from your armor. Gotcha. All right. Mm. It's been a while since I did combat, and I didn't look at this before. Uh, where's shock? Recover shock. Roll, roll, roll me determination. Five. Oh, determination? Yeah. Sorry. Let me do that again. Determination three. So you you reduce you take you re, you turn three of that damage in three of those wounds into shock. Excellent. You take three so, shock, but instead of four. taking seven wounds, you take four wounds. Four wounds. Okay, I got one left, and four shock. Right? Would I, would Aristarchus or or Blair like to join in on does, this? Does that max? Because my max uh, shock is three. 
Yeah, so you you're you are exhausted when your shock is maxed out. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. Blair will join in on this. All right. Blair, what would you like to do? Hold on a sec. Okay, where is this person in relation to where I am? Uh so uh as as you've sort of like stood off to the side and Tina has sort of run around the scrap pile like shouting at this massive orc. Uh, his back is to you right now as he is sort of like stomping over and trying to swing a massive axe at Tina and has cut a pretty good uh, pretty good clip with it uh, to very severely injure Tina on, on his first swing. Okay. Uh, first, she will turn to Aristarchus and say, if I tell you to run, run. All right. Mm. And then she is going to shoot him from behind with her auto gun. Your auto gun or your new gun? Oh, I got a new gun. I did not add the new gun. Shoot. Because, uh... Do you remember what the new gun was that I got? Uh, you have a long las. Uh, and a chainsword. And carapace armor now. Right. I didn't add that stuff. Sorry, last week was crazy. Yeah, understandably. Uh, so if you want to go ahead and just roll your ballistic skill with your long las. So go ahead and roll ballistic skill and I'll give you the stats on the long las as well. Okay. Sorry about that. No worries. Mm. That'll unfortunately be a miss. Unless you want to use a wrath to re-roll that. Um, yes, I would like to do that. So you hit the re-roll button? What? Ah, there it is. That's better. better. That'll definitely hit him. Uh, so, um, the long last has the sniper one trait. Uh, would you have taken the time to aim first, I'm assuming? Yes. Uh, roll me an, roll me an extra, roll me an extra die real quick. Just roll another d6. Okay. Five. Good. Uh, so... Would you like to shift that exalted icon for more damage? Yes, please. Okay. Because you took aim, you get a plus one bonus die to the attack, and you also get additional extra damage equal to the weapon sniper rating, which is one. So you're going to roll me a total of uh, 3d6 to determine how much extra damage you add. So that's that's... Two icons and an exalted icon, so that's four more damage. Nice. Uh, the long last normally does ten damage, so now it's doing fourteen. Hell yeah! Uh, and it has an AP of, uh, yeah, no, it doesn't have any AP, so it doesn't go through his armor, but it does punch more damage through, which will get through his armor. Uh, he's only got eleven armor, so he just takes three more wounds. And he sort of turns around and sees you now as that as that sniper shot just clangs into his shoulder and punches through the armor a bit. I see you've brought friends around. That's fine, I'll crump them all. You can try. Aristarchus, are you doing anything? Uh, can he try and go patch up Tina? Sure, if you want. I assume that's a Medikai roll. Yeah. Roll, me a, roll me a heal test. Um, uh, spend a wrath to reroll. Hmm? Okay. It's not going to get rid of the complication, but that's a total of nine. Hmm. 
so your DN, you got your Medicaid test. Your DN was four, I believe, because it's an alien. Mm-hmm. And uh, every every shifted exalted icon will restore an additional wound. So you'll restore one wound baseline. Okay. Right? Everything that you can shift to still stay at to still stay at four successes, which I think is both. I can of shift both of those two exalted ones. I think, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you can you can restore you can shift both of those to restore three right. wounds. You restore three wounds to Tina. Awesome. Thank and you. then he'll swing down. What does a galvanic rifle even look like? Hmm? Uh, so a galvanic rifle uh, is a. Um, Honestly, if you look at the at page two seventeen in the core book uh, uh-huh. at the at the Laz weapons table, yeah. uh, ironically, the weapon underneath it underneath the Laz weapons table is actually a galvanic rifle. Oh, okay. Hmm. Uh, it's this like ornate looking, very baroque looking, almost like a flintlock made out of like complicated brass and metal. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, and it has this sort of power battery underneath it, and this like glowing like. Uh, it almost like sparks a little bit as you mm-hmm. as you prepare to fire it. Fantastic! He'll just swing that out. He has, he's he's holding it the correct direction. I will give him that much, <laughs> and just attempts to look not threatening but weird and confusing. Yeah. Hopefully, because he does like, not think he can, can he can intimidate this this individual at all. It looks like if you took like a World War One M1 Garand and just yeah. sci-fied it up to hell, right? And right, okay. Fantastic. Uh, to the top of the round, that brings you to Tina again. What are you doing, Tina? Okay. You're injured. Uh, yeah, I am. That but... normally that makes the difficulty number of all of your tests one higher. But also, uh, you have uh weapons with the wah trait. Okay. Uh which is you gain a plus one bonus die to all of your attacks with your weapon, with a wah weapon, because you're an orc. And also, mm-hmm. if you're wounded. You deal an extra damage die. You get an extra. You get an extra ED to all of to all of your attacks with with wa weapons. Ooh, okay. So, damage bonus die is plus one right now. Cool. I like to think that Remy's just out on a street corner smoking, going. Nah, this is about as much time as I think it would take. I don't think anything. You know. <laughs> All right, and you said, uh, okay, so I'm going to take out my chopper. Use that big uh, chopper. Yeah, that seems like a good idea. So your attack bonus die is one, and your damage bonus die is one as well, because you're wounded right now. Excellent. All right. Your attack bonus die die is always going to be one, because you're an orc. Okay. it's a wall weapon. Let me just add that on here, then, for all of them. All righty. I am going to jump out at him and swing. Um, your burner is not a wall weapon, but your big choppa is. Okay. So your burner wouldn't get that, but your gotcha. All right, here we go. Oh, and I also have. Does that automatically do it in here? We'll find out, because it gets it gets five extra damage dice. Yeah, uh, that'll do. That'll be when you roll damage. Yeah. Okay. So uh, you want to spend a wrath to re-roll those? Because yeah, let me do it. 
There, there we you go. go. That definitely hits. You can't yes. shift anything. You don't have any sixes, but you can go ahead and roll damage. All righty. Let's see. So I have, do Hit I have to, button. if, Hit the red yeah, button. if, if I have five in ED, does it automatically add it in or do I need to add those? It, it'll already do that. It'll do that. Oh, automatically. Okay. Awesome. There you go. 12. 12 damage with an AP of one, uh, which means you'll do two more wounds to him. Sweet. Uh, which makes him pretty wounded too. Um, he's going to turn around and fire his shooter at uh, at Blair because Blair was the one who did the most to him in the most recent encounter. Mm. And will miss horrifically because I'm pretty certain Blair's defense is higher than one. Oh, it's because yeah. she's so small. <laughs> he's not used to aiming at something that's small. <laughs> He sort of he sort of turns and the shooter just spits bullets and they all just sort of fly in wide directions around your shoulders, Blair. Uh, I was expecting a little more from you, Blair and Aristarchus. Who would like to go next? I'll let Blair go. Mm -hmm. All right, Blair will go. Uh, like she'll to... go ahead and try to shoot him again. A aim and fire with the long mm -hmm. eyes. So add an extra. So add an extra attack. So you add a bonus die to your attack roll for aiming. Okay. Am I just rolling ballistic skill again? Uh, yeah. Hang on one moment. Let me. I'm, I'm sorry, but it's not. No worries. We'll, um, we'll get your weapon put together after this. After yeah. the game. Uh, real quick because you're going to be taking the aim action. Uh, which I believe will help you out a little bit. Uh, so actually, go go ahead and roll ballistic skill with a plus two bonus to your to your die test. So that will definitely hit. Uh, yep. Hang on a minute. Ballistic skill four plus two should be six. One, two, three, four, five, six. It didn't add your bonus die. Hang on. Oh. Roll, me, roll me two d6s. Okay. All right. Uh, would you like to shift both of those exalted dice into damage? Yes. All right. So, uh, roll me uh, long last has plus one base and plus another one for aiming plus two more. So roll me four d6 to determine your extra damage. <coughs> would you like to spend a wrath to re-roll those three? Yes, please. You're under wrath. Uh, roll 3d6. There hey you go. Much better. Hot damn. All right. So three icons and an exalted icon. That's five extra damage on top of this. So the long last is now doing 15 damage uh, to his, ele to his uh, 11 resilience. So it's going to be four more damage. Uh, how do you want to do this? <laughs> yeah. Um, she was aiming for his head, so I think just blowing his head off. Yeah. 
So this this orc turned and it like unloaded this gun at you, and then it started to charge you with this big axe in its hand. It looks like it's as big as you and probably cut you in half if it hit. And you sort of level the the sniper rifle in your arms and just pull the trigger, and this burning laser just drills into his head and just digs a crater into his face, and he just mid charge just and grinds to a halt in front of you. That was a little disappointing. Whoa. Okay. I'm going to scramble over and start peeling this armor off. Yeah, you hear there's a there's a there's a few there's a few orcs in the in in the on the outskirts who are watching this fight who go like, "Yeah, go Tina." As as you as you finish off uh uh bark goff gob and begin to take his armor for yourself. Sorry, did we just murder someone? Uh, it, it would appear so, yes. Yeah, crumpin. That generally means we need to now run the fuck away very quickly, yes? As you look around, everyone seems to be in a celebratory mood. Nah. They seem fun. Most of the other orcs. I like, there's, a, there's, a, there's a couple that sort of like come up to Tina and give her like claps on the shoulder like, yeah, good fight. Thanks. Yeah, um, I'm going to... Y'all are very strange. Mm-hmm. I'm going to clap Blair on the back. Probably slightly too hard, but you did it. <laughs> fall, fall forward a little. Uh, thank you. Thanks. That's real good. Begin peeling stuff off, putting it on. You have slowly in case you have You have acquired, as, uh, as Tina... Uh, well, so as Tina starts to strip it off, um, you hear the thumping of big footfalls uh, as uh, a large, not quite as large as as, uh, as Gorgrod or Bark, but decked in metal with like a big welding mask up on his face and like pylons of Tesla coils on his shoulders. Orc steps out and starts clapping. Good work, Tina. I see you've done a good job in this fight. Took down old Bark. Ah, the big Zogan idiot. Zog, we had it coming. No, a, right. a arm pokes out with a thumbs up. Let's get you fitted into that armor. It's yours now. And several Gretchen sort of swarm out around him as he steps forward and pulls out a wrench and gets to work on bolting you into this armor. Sweet. There's uh, several adjustments to be made. There's some sparks flying as things have to be welded, has to be welded a little bit to sort of shorten the dimensions. Uh, and you are put into a, a new suit of mega armor as uh, Tina broadens by about two feet by a sheer amount of metal being slapped onto her. Also gains a, gains a good six inches of height from the from the sheer size of the metal armor as well. This is exciting. You have a you have acquired mega armor, and can go ahead and apply that. Uh, All right. Among many other things, aside from having a lot of armor value, uh, a whopping seven to your armor value instead of four. Holy shit! Mm. Uh, it has. A number of traits. It has the standard "here we go" trait that your that your heavy armor had. 
which I will remind you. Uh, an orc wearing armor with this trait ignores the bulk and cumbersome traits when you're wounded. It also has cumbersome, so when you're not wounded, you'll be suffering from that. Uh, which is, you cannot run or sprint in cumbersome armor. It's just heavy. But when you're okay. injured, you ignore that and just start running anyway. Yep. Uh, and then it also is powered, which means that while you're wearing it, your strength is increased by the powered rating, which in this case, for mega armor, is four. Holy fuck. <laughs> so I no just add guy was murdering us. four on my strength. Yeah, so in, in your in your in your character sheet, there is the, yeah. the in the um, on the field for strength. There yeah. is an adjustment. Uh, uh, yeah, column. put four into the adjustment. Ooh. Okay. Sheesh. All righty then. So yeah, your new strength is seven <laughs> while you are wearing that armor. Cool. Um, Does that mean my influence goes up as well? Yes, in fact. You're, wear, <laughs> cool. you're wearing the big armor that makes you more intimidating. All right. So in, your influence is now, while you're wearing that armor, your influence is six. It was two before. <laughs> it's triple. <laughs> I'm fine. This is the coolest thing that's ever happened to Dina. And you can hear some of the orcs as, as sort of chanting as you hear it. Tina! 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 As she gets bolted into some of the biggest and heaviest armor she's ever worn. Excellent. Oh, uh, speaking of, there's uh, let's get this thing fixed into you. Uh, this uh, this particular mega armor also has an integrated big shooter. <gasps> okay. Just cool. like stuck to the outside of one of the arms, kind of. Yeah, like the the left arm has a big shooter mounted to the back of the wrist. Fuck yeah. It's dope as hell. If you thought it was hard to get her in places beforehand. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, no. She's getting physically bolted into the least subtle piece of equipment that probably exists on Farrah Tenebris. And then she's supposed to go to Caesar's Palace. Hmm? <laughs> Ready. You know, Tina, uh -huh. this is a very impressive kit that you've just assembled. You honestly might not need the second hat. He's right. Yeah, I think you're right. You look good. Thanks. She smiles. I don't know if you can see it inside the armor, but she's smiling. <laughs> Oh, uh, the armor, the armor includes one of those big iron gobs. So like there's so from the neck of the armor, there is this big plate of like curved metal that joins in front of your lower jaw and uh -huh, is like uh -huh. spiked up across the surface of it. Uh, so you can kind of see the smile just barely over the iron gob. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's mostly the cheekbones rising. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, as. So you guys gonna start making your way out? Yep, making mm -hmm. our way. Come on, minion. Right, boss. On my way. Excellent. And head back up. Yep. Mm -hmm. 
So you start uh, where Remy and Loroel have probably drunk their way through most of a bar at this point. The group of you reconvene, uh, having gone about your business and prepared. Uh, Blair, you have acquired uh, some fancy new outfit uh, to go to a fancy new dinner. Uh, what does your new outfit look like, Blair? Uh, she would probably go get a dress, which she usually never wears. Um, but yeah. I'm thinking some sort of a nice, like, uh, black dress when, with some sort of a uh, nice trim to it. Mm-hmm. And he's definitely easy enough to find, especially in, in the Imperium, black is the easiest color to wear. <laughs> it hides the bloodstains. Yes, it does. Makes sense. Hmm? Um, but the group of you reconvene, and those of you who did not journey down into the orc camp with Tina... Uh, Find Tina to be significantly bulkier in armor and weaponry when when uh, when she returns. Well, we're back. I mean, it's not exactly going to make things more awkward because there is a certain ceiling level. T- Tina, notice notice anything different? <laughs> no, nothing at all. She cut her hair. Got a haircut. Oh. Just the one? Yes. I only have the one. Fair enough. Also, Tina, that is what is called sarcasm amongst uh, the humans. Oh. You pretend something's one way in order to indicate that you are very clearly aware it is a different way. Got it. Okay. Remy does know you got a significant upgrade. Correct. And Remy is very impressed for whatever value of impressed Remy is capable of having. Remy loves it. Forgive me if I'm speaking out of tune for you, Remy, but... You know what, you're good. Thanks, Remy! (laughs) (laughs) It's what I'm here for. I am moral support. Have the other two already switched into their attire? Uh, Blair has, yeah. Does Aristarchus have any other attire he intends to wear? No. Aristarchus is a representative of the Adeptus Mechanicus and therefore is always in dress uniform. Hmm. Like, take out hat, put hat on. I'm ready. Completes the outfit. Splash of color. Hmm? Laurel will look Blair up and down. Blair's probably taking her hair down at this point. Have we seen Blair with her hair down before? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very long. Yep. I think the plunge in the neckline needs to be deeper. But other than that, it's an acceptable cut. I wasn't sure if it would be appropriate. Aristarchus pulls out his data slate and goes to cross-reference appropriate attire, Eldari culture, and try and find to see if there's any consensus on that. (laughs) Not a lot of info on Eldari casual wear, right? Or even formal wear, because usually when when the Eldari encounter humans, it's in armor, right? Mm -hmm. 
Blair. So there's not just a big heading underneath that says slut it up. <laughs> <laughs> Look around at everybody who's not already affiliated with, with, with where we're going. You could you could be wearing literally anything and you would be above average for the group. <laughs> you could be wearing nothing and you'd be above average for the group. Who are you talking to? You. Okay. Wasn't sure. Thank you, I think. I would definitely say above average. Thank you. She gets a little flustered. But... All right. Morel, you want to explain what the protocol is going to be here for everybody else? Well, Mr. Tendris is Shani, um, how like ceremonious is my patron? <clears throat> Hardly at all. <clears throat> Tandris, Tandris is a military vet. Um, he is a lord by virtue of his history, not by virtue of his birth. Um, he is from a noble house. The, the house existed before him, but he comes from a long line of military campaigners. He is someone who is... He's not there for the dress and the show. He is there for practicality and for effectiveness. He honestly does not stand much on ceremony. There will not be much pomp and circumstance. We will probably be announced and there will be idle chit-chat while we wait for Master Tendris to enter the area with us. Other than that... Uh... Primarily keep your hands to yourself. She will just side-eye at Tina. And she just literally claps their hands over their shoulders. And then I would also say, just a bit of fair warning, he is... Lord Tendris is not a lord in, by virtue of birth. He clawed his way to the top. So let that inform your decision of man. Much better in my opinion. Agreed. So if you follow me, I will show you the way. And she will begin leading them to uh, House Tandris. Yeah, like House Tandris, as far as you know, uh, um, Lorwell House Tandris existed as a noble house long before uh, Lord Malton Tandris took it over. It was not one of the big ten in any regard. It was just an house, probably in the upper mid-hive, and it was Lord Malton's military experience and his campaigning and his actions for the planet and for Ultramar, the greater, the greater region uh, around in the galaxy that put House Tandris where it is today. And you know that Malton Tandris is over 200 years old. 
Which obviously is not natural for most humans. No. Um, typically speaking, humans... So the technology has advanced to the point that humans can dramatically extend their lifespans with things called rejuvenat treatments, which basically reverses the aging process. Um, after a after a while, it starts to look like a Botox treatment where it starts to look less and less natural. Um, but uh, rejuvenat treatments can extend a human's life theoretically indefinitely outside of weird complications going on. Um, but it's a very expensive and uh, privileged procedure to undergo. Typically, only important people actually get rejuvenate treatments. Interesting. Okay. Which is typically, like, you would expect people in high-ranking noble houses, planetary governors... Uh, people in high political statuses to have rejuvenat that would allow them to live for however many hundred years. I will say that Master Tendris is uh, rather long-lived, of course, not anywhere near as long as one such as I or any of my other kin. But uh, he has seen his hefty share of not only battles, but this world and others. All right. So she will uh, lead them to the main entrance and then through to the upper house. I assume uh, there's protocol for her to to let them know. Yeah. And you you basically announce yourself to a servant as you enter uh, that you are arriving for the dinner. Um, and, and it some... had been pre-established that, like, Tina is known to be in our company and will be coming along and that sort of thing, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. um, the servants of the house, uh, as you arrive, House Tandris is... <clears throat> In the upper hive, everything is built to ostentation. Um, everything is built to look grandiose. There's lots of flowing colors and uh, giant architecture, overwrought statues, lots of gold filigree, lots of um, showing off of incredible wealth in a futuristic society. House Tandris looks like an iron block standing out against it. Uh, it is it is very much understated in design. It is it's built big and impressive, but it's practical. It it where everything else is like gilded and painted various colors. It is gunmetal gray, um, and it is like it has the faintest hints of color, and it's usually crimson uh, as as just an outliner of the house colors. Um, everything else is built to practicality. Uh, it looks like a fortress more than a house. As you look around, you can see, um, you can see, uh, um, like narrow angles for firing lanes. You can see, uh, places where fortifications can be deployed. You can see, 
this place is designed to be able to withstand a physical siege more than it is designed to show off. You can see that there are a variety of gun servitors that sort of patrol the outer walls. Um, and as you enter, as you enter the main hall, uh, there's like a slight bit more ostentation, but it still carries that same sort of practical dourness to it that uh, is that the exterior sort of presents. There's a little bit more. There's a red carpet as opposed to just this, like some red curtains hanging in places. There's uh, like a couple of small statues, busts of Lord Tandris in places. But the ostentation that you're seeing here, it, it almost looks like someone had to. It The ostentation that is here almost feels like a surrender or a compromise rather than something someone wanted to be there. It's almost like, okay, I guess, technically speaking, I do have to fit the idea of a lord in some respect, so there should be some kind of showing off, but I don't like it. It's sort of the feeling you get from this place. Sounds like someone with something to hide to me. Well, that was when uh, Blair turned around and shot the bastard right through his eyeball, which, considering that Based on what I've been able to ascertain on our entrance, the chances of survival for the three of us would have been somewhere around 3,730 to 1. Uh, I think we did pretty well. Uh, and what did we learn about odds today? They're pointless. Believe it yourself. Blair did great. <laughs> They don't matter if you have a gun. If you have a big enough gun. Yeah. I think this conversation has moved beyond my area of expertise, so I'm just going to let the rest of you carry on. Uh, oh, no, I'm more on your side. I just wanted to I just, I just wanted to throw that out there and see what people would say, because I was curious. Hmm. Said I'm really glad I went. <laughs> uh... So, uh, after a while, a servant shows you into a dining room. Um, and you are walked in and set to a long dining room table. Uh, this this dining room table probably has enough seats for a good 50, 60 people at it. And the air feels dramatically empty because there are exactly... U6 plus two. <laughs> as the as the group of you are shown to seats at the far end of the table, uh, Lord Malton Tandris sits. Uh, Lord Malton Tandris is a man who looks to be like probably later middle age, although you have been told that he is seen a lot longer than that. Um he is uh, somewhat heavier set in his age, uh, still stocky. Uh, looks like he probably has a good deal of muscle, although it's been softened just a bit by living a more sedentary life, having returned from campaigns. Uh, he is dressed in what looks to be military 
uh, brocade. Um, a lot of it is there's there are symbols of rank, uh, like uh, campaign markers, uh, some sturdy leather boots, and a and a like a button down uh, dress shirt. It looks like a long a long trench jacket is laid over the back of his chair, uh, and a an officer's cap is set on the table next to him. Uh, his beard ha- is well kept but full. Uh, it hides most of his chin, uh, and his hair is about about neck length. Uh, it is black uh, primarily, although getting a bit salt and pepper on the center of the beard and on the sides of the head. Um, his Expression is traditionally dour. He he doesn't seem to betray a lot of himself via his face, which is probably a valuable asset in someone who has lived as long as he has. Um, the he looks at the at the seating of everyone. His eyes are just sort of like bright green coloration. He looks at the, at the seating arrangements of everyone and then uh, this is going to be completely useless, he says. He sort of stands up from his seat, grabs his jacket off the back of the chair and his hat, walks over to sit next to the group of you. Tosses his hat over a nearby chair, sits down in it. And looks across the group of you and the other person sitting with you is Jordan Tendris, the individual that some of you have met previously. Uh, who also walks in and sits down next to the group of you. Our meals will be out here shortly, the the Lord says as he looks over the group of you. In the meantime, I suppose it is best that I introduce myself to those of you who are not familiar. I am Lord Malton Tandris, the head of House Tandris, and the... Benefactor of your friend, the rogue trader's envoy, in this planet, and the patron of your of your Eldari companion. Pleasure. Well, I'm Aristarchus Dactyl of the Adeptus Mechanicus. Uh, obviously, uh, you know. Our uh, envoy, Madame Sarasotinos. Uh, this is uh, Remy Mara and Ms. Blair Hart, uh, our expert consultants from the Underhive, and Tina, who needs no introduction. <laughs> Hello. Certainly not. It is an interesting gathering of companions you've brought together. And there's it is. Lord, Lord Malton's portrait is in the slack for you. That would be the uh, nicest way to put it, my lord. So what mm. can we do for you, Lord? I think at this juncture, it's more a matter of what I can do for you. Insofar that- as I understand that... Your investigation has uncovered an unfortunate identity among the ranks of the agents of the enemy that currently hide within our hive city. 
It's fair to say. As I can only feel that the current situation in which you find yourselves exists partly as a blame for my hubris and ineptitude, I felt it only correct that I inform you of the history that led to this situation. All right. Listening. As you have become aware, the agent of your enemy has been revealed to be Jenea Tandris, mm-hmm. my own daughter. Not many in this hive city know that I have children, let alone two of them, he says, indicating to Jordan sitting across from him. And that is a result of a sordid and painful history. I I want an equivalent of insight check, Jordan. Uh, Which I guess would, would be insight. Be a, uh, uh, yeah, I think there is, there either is an yeah, insight there is or an it's insight. Yes. yes, roll me insight. Bah! Wait. Do you not have any ranks in it? I do. Oh no! Wait. Yes, I do. I have ranks and, and 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 a lot more than that, so I'm not sure. Unless I clicked the wrong thing, let me see. No, it looks like he clicked oh, that's insight. Insight. Oh, did you hit the did you hit the black button, the assist button, rather than the roll button? I might have. Let's see. Nope, mm-hmm. nope. That's, that's the weird. roll button. Hang on, let me adjust things real quick. That's just adjust it back up. Roll. Weird. Try again. Right, let me try again. There it goes. There we go. Wait, what? Now it's missing the one from your rank. What is going on? <laughs> I don't know, but I'm just going to roll another D6. Yeah, roll another D6. Hey, go. Nice. So five icons total. Correct. Um... Oh, the D- actually, the... hold on just a second. Uh, oh, right. Just, just for fun. You have um, I have a thing. Uh, I just have to find the thing because... Probably in powers. Uh, yes. Um, uh, let me expand it because a single... Um... I gain rank, assuming deductive could apply here. Um, I gain rank bonus dice to any test. Or no, wait. Oh, I have. Damn it. I need to read the whole thing. That might help. Uh, use this talent, make an intelligence skill based test, uh, which is what inside is. To note, to recall or notice something about a target. If I pass the test, then I gain rank bonus dice to any test made against that target that utilizes the information. So nothing to this, just... Yeah, and if you if you make use of what you learn, then you gain an extra yes. bonus dice equal to your rank. Correct. 
Yep. So I got five. So uh, the target number was was two. Uh, would you like to Would you like to shift that one exalted icon for something? Sure. I will shift that for coolness. I don't. I don't. So um, your options again are: you can gain a glory if you want to gain right. a glory. Uh, you can improve the quality. Quality. Uh, quality for sure. Information. Uh, see, if you want to improve quality, I will give you slightly more detailed information of what I'm going to give you. Or if you choose to gain information, you can ask me a related question, and I will answer that. You know what? I will. I will do gain information. What is your question? Do I get to hear what I know first before uh, I ask the question? Yes. So um, the uh, what you what you gather off of this um, is that um, with that level of success, Jordan is sort of neutral, but he is he is listening as much as you are. Like that, you get the sense that even he doesn't know the full story here. Okay. Um, and is hoping to learn a bit more of what's been going on himself. There is a like a, a sense of expectation of I want to know what's happened. Mm-hmm. On the coming from Jordan. Okay. Um Is there anything based on his demeanor or the like that would give an indication on how he feels about either his dad or his sister? You get the sense based on how he's sort of leaning into this conversation that he cares very much both about his father and about his sister. Okay. You do not get the sense that it is a spiteful or hateful or even honestly difficult relationship you get the sense of someone who trusts their father but knows that they have not told them everything and wants to know everything got it all right cool um lord tandris continues i have led this house through military campaigns and through the dangers of this galaxy for over 200 years. And it is only in the recent decades of my life that I had found time to even begin to think of legacy of what might come after my death. My wife and I had spent some time trying for children, only to be blessed with twins. But every blessing must also come with a curse, it seems. The two of them were born with the innate talent of the psyker, both of them, he says, nodding at Jordan. And while such a thing is considered a danger among the greater Imperium, it would have no impact on how much either of us cared for our children. 
But how much we cared matters little in the grand scope of the Imperium's machinations. The black ships would eventually come, seeking to claim their tithe of psychers for the Imperium. And the strings that we could pull could only spare one. We kept Jenea away from the black ships, and Jordan was taken to Terra, where he was assessed, judged, trained, and assigned as a combat psyker to the Astra Militarum. I could not be more proud of my son, but I feel that my drive to protect my daughter may have damned her in turn. He sort of takes a breath as food is brought out and uh, plates of exquisite meal, meat, vegetables, fruits, uh, wine, and non-alcoholic drinks are laid out for everyone. He, as soon as the drink is placed in front of him, grabs it and skulls it and sets it down. And a servant, realizing that, immediately, like, sort of nervously wanders off to go get more wine and refills his drink. Uh, and just sets the decanter on the table for him. Aristarchus is chemically analyzing his food before eating it. <laughs> this these substances are not things he regularly encounters. Yep. Anyone uh, watching? I forget my character's name again. Blair um, would notice that her posture and demeanor have changed, and her table manners are perfect. So, how did she end up, I mean, kind of said in a general background-y sense, but how did she end up associated with Heiko? Jenea's separation from her brother was only the first of several tragedies that would befall her. Pain? They had scarcely been apart a single moment in their lives until the black ships came, and her brother was unceremoniously taken from her, mm -hmm. as far as any of us knew, never to be seen again. Right. Many of the psychers taken by the black ships never return. Okay. That by itself was a grief no, no child should have to bear. The separation of one's twin brother. We did our best to treat her well, to give her what she needed to live her life. Mm -hmm. But 
We were not, we were perhaps not the best equipped to do so ourselves. After a while, we arranged a betrothal relationship for her with a child of the, of the planetary governor's house, one of his daughters, who the two had seemed to have a strong relationship with each other. And it was, though it was in many respects a political arrangement, the marriage between our two houses helping to improve our relationship with the governor's family. I had only approved such a political marriage because it seemed that the two of them were genuinely of a kind. They spent much time together. They laughed, enjoyed life, went to theaters, went, enjoyed all that the Hive City could offer them. And I gave my full blessing for her to enjoy this relationship that we had been able to assist her in finding. And that lasted until her would-be bride was assassinated. Bye. I have yet to be able to uncover the exact nature of the attack, but the motivation behind the assailant seemed to be a rebel element seeking to overthrow the Hive City's government and strike a blow against the planetary governor. Okay. The, go on. No, 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 I did. Okay. The combined grief of losing first her brother and then what would seem to have been the first love of her life was something that she could not bear easily. Mm -hmm. And she cut herself off from her ability to care or to grow attached to people, which yeah. would lead to the third tragedy of her story. The destructive habits that she had picked up, drinking, growing violent at times, seeking comfort in obscura or other illicit substances, became more and more public knowledge. The noble families were pushing for something to be done. And I, in my failure to protect my own family, made the worst decision a father can ever make and allowed myself to be convinced that sending her away from the house would do good for her. Mm -hmm. it, was the, it was the equivalent of disowning her and I left her on the streets. I do not know where she went when she left my house. But to find her still here on this world and now in the hands of a heretic and an iconoclast 
is a shame that I can never recover from. How long ago was this? It has been five, ten years since she left. So, and to clarify, just to make sure I've got all this right, the assassination happened here. You weren't elsewhere. No, it was... It was on this planet. Okay. It was at a gala for the planetary governor's family. When was this exactly? Fifteen years ago. Okay. Okay. So, and you cut her off. And tossed her out. You didn't have anybody follow her. You didn't keep any quiet tabs on her. Unofficial. Hire. I did. I did. I did attempt to do so, but every agent that I sent to keep an eye on my daughter stopped reporting. After a while. Stopped reporting or were dealt with? In this world, one is equivalent to the other. Do you have any notion what she know if there's anything that she knows about your house as it currently is? Would you care to elaborate that question? I mean, in a general sense. Does she know the current goings-ons of your house as far as you could be aware? Any more specific sense, new developments? People coming back from the dead, that kind of thing. It's unlikely. Mm, The news that Jordan has returned is unlikely to spread quickly. Is military, military, and beyond being military, is a psyker. Mm-hmm. Military individuals arriving at my house are fairly regular, and psychers tend to be people that individuals stay away from at the best of times. Right. Has she attempted to make any contact with you or your household since None. this occurred? Much as I would wish otherwise. Does anybody outside of the house know anything about her, really? Or what do people outside the house know? Not much. After both of my children were disappeared and my wife had passed away, 
it quickly became de facto information that I never had children, essentially. When both of them were gone and I had no one left to sire an heir, I became the lone lord of House Tandris. The political machinations made it quick to forget that my children ever existed. Not everybody forgot, though. You know that, right? Of course not. The planetary governor's house likely still holds some information about her past escapades with their daughter. I'm going to reclaim her. I would love to. But at the moment, she is allied with a heretic and an enemy of the Imperium. That is a difficult situation to interact with, even if she wanted to come home. And at this no, point, I'm not perfect. sure she does. Forgive me, my lord, for speaking out of turn. But I do believe this is when you need to decide whether you want family ties or decorum to matter more to you. That's not an easy thing to choose between when your decorum is the only thing that keeps you from being a target and your family ties mean more to you than eh, even your life. You don't necessarily have to choose one or the other. Without abandoning one, you can prioritize the other. That's the question that it comes down to, actually, yes. You don't have to, but ultimately, if it comes down to a situation where you have to pick one or the other. So I had Aristarchus make a Medici test. Because that's the only thing I can think of where psychology might come in. <laughs> in terms of stuff like that. Having heard this story, the indication is that she, ever since he initially left, she has not seen Jordan Tandris. That's yep. That's yes. where. That's where. That's where. Who is suddenly going. back on planet? Mm. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Correct. So Aristarchus will just lean forward. If I can speak as a member of the Medici and the Autobiologus, uh, the initial trauma that this girl suffered seems to have been the departure of a sibling who, against all odds, even in the Imperium, is back on planet and Correct. therefore may speak to the root trauma that caused her shifting behavior that has led to this regrettable sequence of events. Correct. So there is a chance at recovery here, potentially, your lordship, if we can allow her to resolve that initial trauma by reconnecting with her twin. Yes, you are correct. Mm -hmm. Laurel will look to Jordan. You've been surprisingly quiet in all this. What are your thoughts about meeting back with your sister? He, he smiles for the first guess pretty good. He, he he sort of smirks uh, amusedly for the first time you've ever seen his face have an expression. Uh, 
Is it a smile of happiness or a twisted smile? It's a it's a smile that looks like you just asked me the most ridiculous question in the world and I can't help but laugh at it. Yep. <laughs> it's the like that was hilariously ironic kind of smile. Uh <laughs> I said, I'm gonna guess pretty good is how you feel about it. I would like nothing more than to see my sister again. I thinking about meeting her again was one of the only things that allowed me to surmount the tests of the Scholastia Sicana and prove myself worthy of not being fed to the Golden Throne. I have fought my entire life for the opportunity to see her again. So that brings us back. Lord. To if it comes down to a question of discretion versus family. If the decision must be made, I would sacrifice anything to see my daughter return to her family. Even potentially the good of the rest of your house. Which includes your son. He sort of inhales for a second. Looks over at Jordan. I'm only asking because these are the hard questions you've got to figure out. You are right, of course. If my daughter is truly lost irrecoverably to the grip of the archenemy, then it is a mercy to put her out of her misery. But if there is even a chance that she be recovered safely and allowed to return, I would ask that you take it. All right. I am, of course, a noble and a man who runs a house, and these affairs are not entirely your own. And I cannot begrudge you should you decide it not worth it. But you would, of course, have the gratitude of myself and my house mm -hmm. should you choose to bring her back to us. We seem to be talking about things one way or another. What if there was a way to save her, but she didn't wish to return? Very what? What if there were a way to save her, but she did not wish to return? Hmm. Saved, but not here. It's a fair question. We must all make our own decisions. If she would return from the brink but does not want to see her family again, I could not begrudge her that. We have done much to hurt her. Okay. Shawnee, because it, it's been a while, I, 
am I misremembering? I feel like somebody had a like somebody knew saw where she was in our group. Uh yes. Um yes, uh me. Yeah, Remy Remy had a very close encounter with her. Yes. I don't mean to sound when she left did she leave anything here did you did did is there anything still here of hers, of hers? yes a few is this one of those situations where her her room is is as it used to be and that sort of thing or really, yes it has hardly been touched since she left I'd like to see the room if you can, but I don't mind. Of course. <sighs> and any, any, I would assume that as the daughter of the head of the house, she had attendants, things like that. She did. Most of them retired after she left. Where can we find them? They have. Modest homes in the mid-hive, places where they can live comfortably. That was information she, would be useful. Was there perhaps one or two of them that she was particularly close to? Yeah. <sighs> she had a bodyguard, one of her regular guards, whenever she had to go anywhere that was more dangerous. I would need to find her information again to see where you could find her. But I will I will look into it and get you that information. Thank you. Any information, anything at all that would be about her, particularly towards that point in the final months or whatever before before she left would potentially be useful. We need to figure out where she would have gone from there. I will gather everything I can find. And when we when we finished speaking and eating here. I will guide you to her room myself. Okay. Was there anyone else in the other houses that she was close to? Close to? Very few. Being a psyker, people tended to want to avoid her unless they were required to interact with her. She did have rivals, though. People who got on her nerves, and she... Always being strong of will, had run-ins with spats, sometimes fights. Would you know who those people were? There was one... There was a woman from one of the other ten houses, from one of the ten main houses. One of their daughters, Nairis Gento, had a had frequent run-ins with her. 
What sort of run-ins? I recall correctly, the spoiled daughter of the Ganto family would mock her for her unusual nature, and uh, something heavy would happen to fall on her in response. How is she doing lately? <laughs> if I recall correctly, in the current political rumor, she's taken up the life of a spire hunter. So, as badly as you would expect. For those unfamiliar... I was going to say, what's a spire hunter? <laughs> spire hunting? Uh, you know how in colonial era Britain, uh, rich assholes from England would go on hunting trips down to Africa? Oh. Mm -hmm. yep. It's yep. like that, but down spire. Okay. So hunting people is what Generally, yeah. yeah. You, you they they get the best kit that money can buy and a squad of bodyguards and they go down hive and shoot whatever scum they come across. When was the last time when was the last time you heard of her still being alive? Unfortunately, she's got quite the reputation as a spire hunter. She is and being a member of House Gento Likes a lot of parties and likes to make her presence known. She is known to be alive. Do you think she would have any relevant information for us? There might be something there, but quite frankly, I don't know if that arrogant child would even remember my daughter's name. Not surprised. I'm just going to lean over to Remy and ask, should we ask yet? Um, oh, what's his name? Goodness. Oh. Uh, the, the brother. Um, Jordan. If Jordan. Jordan. As to assist us while we look for her. No. We'll need him, but not now. Not not. We're not taking a member of this house down into the down into the hive. Or uh, you know. Employees not included. Oh, okay. That's just there there there's no way that ends well. Good thought though. Well, I mean as far as I'm aware, he's a trained psycho with the military. I'm sure he can handle himself. I'm not saying it needs to be our first choice, but I'm saying it could well, be... Well, that may be the case. I believe the point that Mr. Mera is getting at is my presence in the Underhive, especially if this Tycho knows or had a hand in influencing my sister into the path that she is on, would put a target on my back. That's no. probably true. Hmm. 
Not just that, and don't take this, do not take this the wrong way. You're in a, you, you're in a, a military hierarchical order. You know that it's a bad idea to have someone go in on an investigation of something if you have a personal connection to it. You're compromised. This is, of course, true. I, I don't doubt you have, you could take care of yourself, but you would also at some point, whether you want to or not, endanger yourself and all of us and probably your sister as well. No, it's fair. If we can, we can extract the, if we can extract Janaya, having her in a safe environment when she first meets her brother would probably be the safer practice. Hmm. There are ways that we can make, if that's the route we go, there are ways that we can make her aware of Gordon without risking him. We may need to, because I doubt she would. She would trust us and just stay in it. No, but it's it, it would certainly be great if we had some way of 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 uh, contacting him remotely and then mm. passing an earring on to her to have a conversation. Mm-hmm. There are ways to there are ways we can do this. Mm-hmm. So might think it's a trick, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But again, this is all assuming a whole lot that we even get you now. Of the other houses and places where one might be able to gain, glean more information of my daughter's history and whereabouts, especially in the time prior to her exile, House Alignon would be the most likely to have those kinds of records. It is their primary bailiwick within the Ten Houses to be the keepers of information and intelligence. They are, in many ways, the Lord Governor's spies. Sorry, say that again. Uh, He basically said that of the other houses, House Alignon would be likely to potentially have information about Jenea, especially around the time before she left. Okay, because they are information gatherers and keepers. They tend to generally act as the as the planetary governor's spies. Got it. Yeah, fair enough. All right. So the information you provide, it's great. Appreciate it. Again, don't take this the wrong way, but what do you want from us? You could have passed this information on through Laura. I wanted to see the people that are going to hold my daughter's life in their hands and judge them for myself. 
Nothing more than that. Aristarchus kind of shifts in his seat and tries not to look at Tina. <laughs> if there was more than that, would it really be in my business to let you know? Yes, because if there's something you want us to do, and we unknowingly do the opposite, that's bad. This is fair. But no. There is... There is only the pain and regret of an old man who would be willing to do anything to see his family reunited. And of course, your group being what it is with such influential allies, she, she says, looking directly at Ceres for a moment, you stand to do the most out of anyone that could possibly be involved in this. And it is important that such matters be handled at the highest level possible. Mm -hmm. we'll do, do what I want, we can. Do I want anything else from you but to rescue my daughter? Not really. If there is anything else that I can provide that will make it easier to do so that I have not already provided, name it and it will be yours. I think we're going to need to learn more before we can say that one way or the other. I mean, for what it's worth, your lordship, uh, my initial calculations put the success of such an endeavor somewhere between 20 no, and 40 stop, percent. Stop, 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 stop. Damn it. You're <laughs> good. Where will whisper to Aristarchus? Sometimes they don't need to know the stats. Well, I'm getting to the encouraging part. No, j just drop it. All right. Lord Tandris just sort of shakes his head and there's a there's an amused grin. My lord. So high. I wouldn't have expected as much. My lord, having gotten to know these individuals over the last few days, um Yes, they may all be unorthodox. But I believe you thought the same thing before bringing me on. I did indeed. For one, feel pretty confident. <laughs> Ever the optimist. If we need, if we determine that we need more assistance, may we call on you in the future, sir? 
He sort of he sort of gives like a tilted head look to to Tina and her like attempt at being fancy talker. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and just sort of nods. Of course, any assistance that is needed will be provided. Cool. All right. I think it's time, if you all have enjoyed your meal, to show you to my daughter's room. What? And he will stand <laughs> and start to walk out. And uh, as 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 he exits, Jordan sort of looks over the group of you. For what it's worth, he says, looking over the group of you. My father may be blunt and straightforward in a lot of ways. And difficult to get to open up. But he's put a lot of trust in you, telling you this. This is the kind of secret that one has a daughter that's fallen to the ruinous powers that could ruin a noble family like his. Mm-hmm. You're not wrong. In any event, I want to see my sister's room as well. Turns and starts to walk out. Yeah, I'm following close behind to try and get in there before a bunch of people go in there and start tromping around. <laughs> Meta, grab anything that's not nailed down. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and with that, that's where we'll go ahead and end for the week. Bye. Say goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.